Hey, how are y'all? Hey, if you have never heard me speak, uh, I sound funny because I'm from Texas. And um, I talk fast also because I'm from Texas and also because we have a limited amount of time together. So how many, raise your hand if you can listen fast. All right, I was just checking. Hey, one of the really great things I've gotten to do, I, I know it's the end of Missions Week, and what a privilege that I get to do uh, to end Missions Week and challenge you in a very uh, profound way from God's Word. But also, what a great thing that I've been a missionary myself. I've been a missionary to America. For the last 23 years, I've spoken in public schools uh, to teenagers about sexual purity. Uh, over 6 million kids have heard me speak in junior highs, high schools, and colleges about God's will for living a sexually pure life. Um, I don't get to hold my Bible when I go to those places. I just have to secularize God's will. And how many of you know God's word and God's will are the same thing? All right, good. So having said that, I've got some resources for parents. Uh, one, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite teachings uh, is the value of virginity. How many of you know your sexual purity is valuable in the eyes of God? If you've got teenagers, preschool, or elementary kids, or if you've, even if you've made a mistake, sec- the Bible talks about secondary virginity very clearly. My wife will be out at a table. There's tons of tables out there in the hallway, but uh, she's better looking than everybody else. So you'll, she'll be... You'll be easy to find, Uh, plus she's got red hair, and um, then I've got mom and dad, I've got some stuff, even grandparents, a lot of kids are living with their grandparents these days. This is question and answers. I spent an hour and 15 minutes sitting down in my office, took a stack of questions asked by parents uh, over the years, and did a biblical answer to every one of those issues, all the major issues that probably I shouldn't say on Sunday morning, uh, things like de- dealing with homosexuality, masturbation, and things like that, I answered on those. Step out there and see her. And last year, the message that Pastor Tom talked about, I wear my I must bracelet everywhere I go. Uh, we've got some of those out there at our table. Uh, it's our youth conference that we're going to do this week. And my last uh, p- piece of advertisement is my son, Lance Ainsworth, who is 33 years old and a pastor as well, just wrote a book for millennials and to bridge the generation gap between my generation, which he is a millennial, he's 22 to 37, and this wilderness generation book will rock your world, Uh, especially for those of us that are older. We need to learn how to relate to these people. Everybody look at me. Look Look right up here. Look in my eyes. 83 million people in America are 22 to 37. Out of 300 million people that live in America, you need to learn how to relate to these people. Stop out there and get those and she will help you. God's word today, we're going to talk about a, a huge theological subject. I can't believe I'm tackling this on Sunday morning as a guest somewhere, but I am. Grace like rain. Everybody say grace. Grace. Volumes of books. I mean, heavy hitters. Max Licato, Chuck Swindoll have written volumes of books on grace. And they're all amazing. And I've got, I I pulled out of my library when I began to study this. And I found a stack of books this tall of books I had on grace. I'd read every one of them. 
But I began to pray, and, and the story is, if you'll look at this next slide, uh, in August this year, I was in Romania. I am a pastor slash missionary. I was doing a, a leadership conference, a youth camp, and dedicating a new building. This is Burning Bush Church in Toflia, Romania. They fill that building up three times every Sunday. They built a new building. Look at the next slide. That building is the building I dedicated when I was there. Generations Church in Lubbock, Texas, where I pastor, and Christ for the Nations Institute, we partnered together to help them put a roof on that building because at that stage it had no roof. Look at the next picture. There, I, there it is. It's not completely finished, but uh, there were Romanian, a Romanian TV station there. And the next slide shows me preaching their dedication service this past August. And I also did a youth camp there. And this is where the grace like rain comes in. I was there and I had packed up out of my files in my office all these different messages that I was going to, uh, because I've been in youth ministry for uh 35 plus years and I was going to pour into the hearts of these kids with passion and with fire and, and I had I, in an expandable file I had these these messages I'd, pr- I'd actually prayed and asked God what I was going to take I got there and the youth pastor the director of the camp because we had teenagers from England Germany Spain uh B- Hungary and Bulgaria plus Romania. And he said, our churches are traditionally very religious. They're in, he said, he went so far to say we're in religious bondage. It's a lot legalism. He said, would you preach on grace? You look at the guest and you say, no, I'm not preaching on that. I said, of course. I went to my room that they had for me at this. We were in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the nation of Romania at a youth camp. And I went from, I had no internet. I couldn't Google anything. I had no research material. I, I looked at all of my messages. I had zero, no messages on grace. So I hit my knees, Joe. Imagine that. I got on my knees and prayed and asked God to give me a sermon. Wow. Imagine that. And God began to download, to use a 21st century term, some truths into my heart that I really, really already knew. And that's what I want to share with you today is the revelation that God gave me that day of grace. And I began to speak it. This next slide, I went immediately from on this trip. I was gone for three weeks. I went immediately from Romania. I had to fly to Dallas and then fly to Columbia where I did a leadership conference of about 200 senior pastors and leaders. And this picture is a picture of a pastor praying for his youth pastor. Their relationship had been broken. They came to this conference and they were not in good relationship with one another. And at this moment, the end of the story is that God healed their relationship. God put them back as partners. His grace came into their lives. And so here's what I want to share with you today. Real grace. What is real grace? Look at this. It has this uh, next slide. This one, keep going. Keep, there we go. We have traditionally, the books, the volumes, we've said that grace is unmerited favor. Some of us have thought that grace was just a get-out-of-jail-free card. Some of us even, there's a teaching in, a, in, in our world today, what I call hyper-grace. It means that you can do anything you want to. There's, 
There's really not sin because God's grace applies. You can live however you want to, and then God's grace will cover that. Some of you may have, may have heard of that. But now, and also, sometimes we confuse grace and mercy. How many of you know there's a difference? Mercy is where you do not get what you deserve. A lot of people say, that's grace. No, that's mercy. God's grace, let's talk about it. I don't think that we can take one of those definitions, and if you go to the next slide, what you're going to see is the Strong's and Thayer's definition. The Greek word for grace is charis. It's the word that we, charismatics, charisma, we get giftings from. Uh, But you can read all that. I'm not going to read that. It's on the screen for you to read. But when you begin to think about what grace is, it's so much more than just unmerited favor. It's so much more than just get out of jail free card. It's so much more than a freedom from religion. Grace is is so much more powerful than all of those things. I believe that the revelation that God gave me, and Joe, I'm going to get you to come help me, please. Would you come get on on the stage for me, please, and and just stand right there. We're going to illustrate together. I believe that grace is a hand up. Everybody say that phrase with me. One, two, three. A hand up. Say it again. Grace is a hand up. How many of you have ever been in a difficult situation in your marriage, in your children, in your business, in your spiritual life, and you're just in a, you're, you're down low, you're at rock bottom, and you're looking for an answer to your circumstances, and all of a sudden you go, God, I need help. I need a hand up. That's what real grace is. It's so much more than unmerited favor. It's unmerited favor. It's so much more than get out of jail free card. It's that. It's so much more than just uh, 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 your absence of legalism. It is so much more. Grace is the power to live the Christian life. It's the hand up. You know what? Holiness is not something a lot of churches preach about these days. In the 21st, but I'm going to tell you what, holiness is in the Bible. A lot of people want to preach about grace, free from legalism, but I'm telling you what, we serve a holy God. We serve a God that in him there was, he, he was perfect. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He was holy. He never sinned. And he gives us the power to be holy. How? A hand up. A hand up. When you're struggling with your addiction to porn, when you're struggling with, in the context of your marriage, when you're struggling with a business decision, God, you cry out to God and you say, help! And he gives you a hand up. And he takes you from a lower level to a higher level. By his grace. No, preacher, you got it wrong. I do it all by willpower. Well, how's that working out for you? (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, it sucks. (laughs) Because guess what? It's not working. Willpower doesn't work. It can't work. Because if you're doing strictly willpower, God doesn't get any glory from it. But when you say, God, help me by your grace. You say, well, preacher, you had not talked about the Bible yet. Well, let me tell you a story. This next slide 
that guy was called to the ministry at the Romanian youth camp. And that night he went up to the youth pastor and said, I want to preach. He got up and gave his first sermon for 10 minutes. And I mean, oh, he was so anointed. You know what he did? I need a hand up. And God helped him. These uh, next, the next slide here, these break down some of those definitions I was talking about. We're going to skip that. And I want to talk to you some, about some Bible verses that have grace in them. This is not really an outline. This is just one, uh, this, this sermon has one point. The grace of God is a hand up. If you remember that, you've already heard my sermon. I want to help you give some, under, some, some clarity to that. Here's a famous verse about grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, for by grace, everybody say grace. grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. There's a difference between grace and faith. Grace is the hand up from God and you receive it by faith. And you receive salvation, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Look at this verse, James chapter 4 and verse 6. He gives more grace. Everybody say more. more. Everybody say grace. Grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. I'm sure you've already heard this spoken of before in some sermon somewhere. But the phrase there, resist, literally means God stiff arms the proud. He sticks his hand in your face and says, talk to the hand. And he resists you when you're prideful. But when we humble ourselves before God, he gives more grace. Not just grace, more grace. Hand up. When we humble ourselves, God, I'm at the bottom on my marriage. God, I'm at the bottom on this business decision. God, I've tried willpower with my addictions. God, I've tried it that way. God, I need a hand up. And what what happened when I stuck my hand out to God a while ago? He got me from that level to this level. Because my hand went into his hand. See, come on, come on, church. Some of you have been walking with God for years and years, and you think you've got this Christian walk down. You've got this thing of following Jesus. You've got it down because it's the same old, same old. Man, in missions week, you're talking to, uh, but you've heard people tell stories. They've laid their life down. They, they let go of everything. Mama Camilla told you she let go of everything. And God gave her a what? Hand up. Hand up. You know what the big struggle was in Romania in teaching this? They didn't get the phrase hand up. That's why I had Joe get on the platform because I had to figure out a way. That's how I, that's how I taught it to him. I got somebody on the stage, just like I did Joe, stuck my hand out there and said, this is a hand up. And they went, you could hear the students in the crowd go, oh, <laughs> they got it. Because when I was saying hand up, my translator would translate it. They were kind of going, huh? Look at this verse. Look at the next slide. This, that's not a slide. That's, that's, oh, I've got to tell this story. I forgot I moved that picture. The guy on the far left, oh my goodness, fasten your seatbelt. This is missions week and I get to tell missionary stories. Hallelujah. That night when I preached about grace, I got to the conclusion and I didn't know how I was going to end it. 
And I just began to talk about how God had poured out his grace and I didn't get to the end of my altar call. And I looked up and about two thirds of the way, Pastor Tom, I've only read stories about this. I've got books in my library that talk about in the forties and the twenties and the, and in other countries where people would run to the altar. I've been preaching for 40 years, ladies and gentlemen, and I'd never seen it happen. Never in my life. And I'm standing there with a mic in my hand and I'm, I'm in the middle of my altar call. And th- that kid on the left right there, he comes out. And at first I thought he was t- absolutely, totally, completely being disrespectful because he didn't get to the front. He got about almost to the front and he hit his knees and we didn't have carpet where we were at. We just had a tile floor. And I've seen little kids do it. My, I've seen my grandsons do it where they, in our living room, we had a wood floor in our living room. And what they like to do is they like to run and hit their knees and just slide across the floor. And they just think that's the coolest thing because they're sliding. Well, that's what this guy did in church at an altar call, except when he slid all the way to the front and actually slid past me by five or six feet. And I'm just watching him with the microphone go like this. And he stopped and he began to weep and he fell over. He just literally just on his knees and fell over and was weeping and crying and I was staring at him. And the next thing I know, I looked up and they were running to the altar. I didn't even finish my altar call. They got it! A hand up! Because I was to the point where they said, how I was going, how many of you need a hand up? And come to find out, that guy right there, that 17-year-old Romanian teenager was addicted to cocaine, was a cocaine dealer in his village. And he was asking God, I need a hand up. God delivered him. God healed him. God saved about 40. I, I think the, I, I'm just going to say 40. It was more than 40, but I'm going to be conservative and say, God, for the first time, gave grace through faith to 40 plus Romanian teenagers. Guess what? I've forgotten to tell you the the capstone to this whole story. These aren't just Romanian teenagers. They're Romanian gypsy teenagers. They're totally marginalized. Gypsies are what you think they are. Most of them are thieves and crooks and and their their culture, they don't like them in Romania. They don't like them in London. They don't like them in Spain. They don't like them anywhere. And everybody I was preaching to, they were all Romanian gypsies that God was pouring out his grace. The reason those Five teenagers are standing there with flowers in their hand. We had a 12-hour journey from camp back to church. And we had stopped for a meal. And the Holy Spirit had so touched their lives. And they had been so rebellious in their families that the guy on the left said, let's go buy some flowers for our parents and repent to them when we get home. Look at your neighbor and say, where's my teenager? No, I'm just kidding. Let's look at one more, one more, a couple of more verses if I have time about grace, a hand up. Everybody say grace. Grace. Look at your neighbor and say a hand up. up. 
Isn't that a good definition? It's more than unmerited favor. It's more than get out of jail free. It's more than breaking legalism. It's that God wants to help you and I live for him. That's his grace. It's so much more than an event when you gave your life to Jesus. I received his grace. Grace is a lifestyle of a hand up. 2 Corinthians 9, and this is so appropriate. Pastor Tom, I told him in the office after prayer this morning, I told him I was going to help him. And I am right now. I'm going to help him. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 9 is all about giving. We're at the tail end of a missions conference. You've got a pledge to make. You need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but you need to hear it and couple it with grace. Look at this. But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I notice you're a farming culture just like we are, except we farm cotton where I'm from. And when you, when you sow a bunch of seed, you get, get a harvest. That's not even, it's in the Bible, but that's science also. So let each one give as he, for this, you give according to what's in your heart. And God's going to speak to that heart. Not grudgingly, nobody's going to. Nobody's going to twist your arm. You got to, you got to, you got to. And especially God. And if any preacher twists your arm, you need to mark that person. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to give with a smile on your face. Because God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take money from a grouch. (laughs) I said that with a smile. And God is able to make what? All grace abound toward you. You go ahead and obey God. You say, God, I don't know how I'm going to give that number. I don't know how I'm going to give that amount. Guess what? He's going to make all grace a hand up. Abound. Some of you came in here with an amount to give today, and God's changed that amount. Because he wants to show you that he's bigger than your thinking. Hello? Is anybody hearing that? How many of you know God's bigger than you're thinking? He's the God of more, more grace. And he will make all grace abound toward you that you will always, even though you sacrifice, you sacrificially give, you sacrificially pledge, he's going to make all grace abound toward you that you will part-time have sufficiency. Always, always having all sufficiency in a few things. All things. And you may have a little bit for every good work. An abundance. The Holy Spirit's challenging some of you right now. I'm not, but he is. You know what's the cool thing about all these scriptures? And you can go, I hope you've taken notes. I hope you've looked at them because I didn't even bring this point up until right now. But we're going to look at the famous story in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 of when the apostle Paul had his thorn in the flesh. 
And the scripture is so clear. It says he prayed three times. He said, God, would you take from this from me? And basically God's response is, no, Paul, I'm not taking it away from you. You're going to have to live with it. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Listen, I'm just a guest speaker. You need to ask a pastor who knows all things. Why God would allow Satan to attack you like that. And Pastor Tom's office is right across the hall. You can make an appointment. He'll explain that to you. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's God's answer. He said to him, my, my hand up, Paul, you're going to make it, buddy. You're going to live with, you know, listen, people have written books about what it was. His back, his eyes, his head, his, some people actually thought Paul was married and they thought it was, no, I won't say that. No matter what your difficulty is, God's grace is what? His hand up. Can I, can I just point something out to you? I, I'm a simple, simple, simple preacher, as you can tell. Unmerited favor doesn't fit there. My unmerited favor is sufficient for you. Get out of jail free card doesn't fit there. I'm talking about by themselves. If you take these definitions that we've talked about, that people put grace in a box and they say it's unmerited favor, it's get out of jail free card, it's freedom from religion, it's freedom from legalism, and all these, these definitions that people want to put in a box, it doesn't fit there. But when you add the all-encompassing, God wants to give you a hand up, that works right there. Doesn't it? We are saved by grace through unmerited favor. Uh, get out of jail free card. I mean, no, all these things. And get this one. Are you ready? We don't even have this one in the PowerPoint. Come boldly to the throne of in the time of that you might find mercy and unmerited favor and get out. No, it's so much bigger. You'll find, come to, to the throne of grace and you'll get grace, a hand up in your time of need. I close with Romans 5. This is my favorite one to close on. I have a few more, but I'm going to close right here. Moreover, the law entered the offense that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more so that as it rained in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life in Jesus Christ my wife and I sitting here on the front row have she's been more than I have but I've been 12 or 13 times to Mardi Gras we don't go to party we go with uh, about 12 to 1500 followers of Christ to share our faith on the Bourbon Street and in and around the French Quarter during um, Mardi Gras and um, it is intense. It's hell on earth. Because they have this intense party to and license to sin. And they sin. And we're there to share Christ. You say, what? Well, all I know is we fast and pray for three months before we go to get ready. But here's what I'm going to tell you. 
sin abounds, but guess what? In the middle of Mardi Gras, his grace abounds even more. They're so bold in their sin, but we're so bold in our faith. I, got, I, I could tell you tons of stories on my part, but I don't want to be the hero of this story. I want my wife to be the hero of this story. She was with her partner, which wasn't me. They usually put, they separate the two of us because we've been so many times and they put us with people so that we can help them, teach them and kind of protect them a little bit from the weirdness. But anyway, she was with, out and she found two guys with her partner that were in Bible school in Baton Rouge and they had sneaked out of the Bible school to come and party in Baton Rouge thinking they were going to get away with it. And they met my wife. Not Mama Camilla, Mama Connie. And Mama had some choice words for them anointed by the Spirit of God. And all I can tell you, I can tell you much more about the story, but I can tell you those two, two was it two or three? Three college guys that were in Bible school that had chosen to sneak away for the pleasures of sin for a season. They looked at her after she prayed with them and said, we're going home. Where sin abounds. Listen, our, in Madison, Wisconsin, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, in your neighborhood, sin is abounding. You don't have to go to Mardi Gras to find it. Sin is, if I can use a different word, sin is accelerating. I'm telling you what, you've got to extend your faith this morning and believe that God is going to use you and his grace is much, much more, is accelerating faster. And God's going to use you just like he uses us in Mardi Gras. God's going to use you in Madison. God's going to use you in the greater metro area. He's going to use you from the balcony to the front row, from the left to the right. You're going to leave here understanding that God's grace on the inside of you is a hand up that he can use you to extend his hand of grace to a culture who is abounding in sin. And as far as that goes... I must be about my father's business. I've got to be about extending his grace. And if you haven't listened to that message, it's still on y'all's website. I checked it out a while ago. You need to go listen to it. It's funny that Mama Camilla closed with Zechariah 4.10 because I'm stopping with Zechariah 6, 7, and 8. Zerubbabel was trying to build rebuild the temple after it had been destroyed and the Zechariah the prophet said not only did he say despise not the day of small beginnings but before that he said not by might not by power but by my spirit saith the Lord and sandwiched in between this prophetic word from Zechariah to Zerubbabel a man with a vision, a man with a dream, a man with a purpose, much like all of the missionaries that are out in the hall, much like many of you in your jobs, in your marriages, in your, in your parenting skills. You've got a vision, you've got a purpose, you've got a plan, you've got a life, and God's wanting to give you a hand up and sandwiched between the not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, and despise not the day of small beginnings. Right in the middle, there's this phrase that Zechariah the prophet spoke to Zerubbabel who was struggling having difficulties and problems, he said, you need to speak to the mountain and you need to shout, 
Grace! Grace! To the mountain. I'm stopping right now. Close your Bibles and put your pens away. And look right here at me. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, that you break that addiction, that you heal your marriage, that you take that new business venture, that you go to Mozambique, that you make a pledge of faith, that you step into a new relationship. There's somebody here today that you, step, you need to step into a new loving relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to say, Lord, I extend my faith and I receive your hand up for my, life, my new life. Because I've messed up, jacked up, and screwed up. I've tried willpower. But Jesus, I need you. It's your marriage. It's your parenting. It's your schooling. It's your mountain. Zerubbabel had a mountain. And God spoke to him. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And he said, despise not the day of small beginnings, but right between it. He said, you have got to shout grace to your mountain. I need it. What are you saying when you shout grace to it? I need a hand up. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room and nobody moving around. Nobody looking around. You've got a circumstance, you've got a situation in your life that you need to shout grace to. You need a hand up. Nobody's going to come put a mic in your face and, and, and say, what is it? Nobody's going to put you on the blast. Nobody's going to put you on the spot. It's just time for you to say, Jesus, I need a hand up. No matter what it is, A to Z. And I just mentioned, I just mentioned the highlights. You know what it is. I'm going to count to three and you just raise your hand if you need a hand up. One, two, three. Get your hand up right now. If you've got your hand up, stand up. If you've got your hand up, stand up. On the count of three, no matter what it is, on the count of three, I want you to shout grace. I don't want any of this wimpy golf course talk. Grace. I want you to shout. This is the word of the Lord. This is a divine moment right here where you shout grace to your mountain and God shows up. One, two, three. Grace! One, two, three. Grace! One more time. One, two, three. Grace! I just lift your hands and receive it. Say, Lord, come on, talk to him. Say, Lord, I receive grace for my marriage. I receive grace for my life. Come on, I need a musician up here on the keyboard or on the guitar. Come on, just somebody, just reach up to the Lord. Hand up, hand up, Lord. I need a hand up in my marriage. I need a hand up in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a hand up in our life. 
Father, we believe. I believe. I pray for every person that's standing and got their hands extended. Lord, that they're going to see your divine grace, your divine empowerment of a hand up. God, they're going to experience it. They're going to mark this day in their spiritual journey that it was a revelation that in their addiction, their addictions are broken, not because of willpower. Thank you for 12-step programs. But God, thank you that you're going to literally put your hand in their hand and you're going to pull them to a new level. In the name of Jesus, I speak over that businessman, that that business venture. I don't know who you are, where you are, but that business venture, you need to check who you're doing business with. Because if you're in bed with the wrong person, it will end in disaster. Put your hand in his hand. Don't put your trust and faith in another. And lastly, today, as I close, would everybody please stand? If you're sitting, just stand up. Just honor the, the preacher from Texas for just a moment, his, his will for your, just to close my time here. And would everybody just put both hands over your heart and just pray this out loud with me. Church missions is God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. God, speak to every heart in this room about their obedience to send missionaries around the world to do God's work. Speak to every available heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated for just a moment. Pastor Tom is coming. Would you step by the table out there and see my wife between services? And if you're giving your life to Christ, if you're receiving his grace through faith for the first time today, I'm going to stand right here after the service is over. And I will meet you and pray with you. Because that's the best decision of your life. If you're coming home to Jesus, if you've been chasing other things and you say, preacher, I need to come home. I'll be right here. While everybody else is doing other stuff, I want to pray with you. God bless you.